Hi there, my name is Erica Browning, and I am blown away by all the places your nursing degree can take you. Here, we showcase basic nurses doing some really cool things. My goal is to bring to you ideas, options, and inspiration. Think of this as a fun conversation with a friend where you laugh a ton and leave feeling encouraged and empowered. That nursing degree you worked so hard for is just the beginning. I'm here to show you what is possible. This is the Black Sheep Nurse Podcast. All right. Hi, Laura. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Oh, good. Well, let me introduce you to everyone before we get started. Everyone, this is Dr. Laura Taylor. Um, She is a former naval officer, so she was a nurse in the United States Navy. Um, She is a certified midwife. She has her doctorate. uh, You say say doctorate in nurse practitioner. How do you say it? Doctor of nursing practice. So she has her doctorate in nursing practice, and she has almost completed her psychiatric uh, mental health nurse practitioner program. Laura, you were very educated. <laughs> I love school, I guess. I don't know. I do too. I was telling her what? <laughs> I was just so the audience knows before we started, I was telling her, I was like, I really want to get my master's. I really do, but I just haven't done it yet. But I will. I think I will eventually. Go for it. I had a patient the other day who was in his 70s and asked, Why are you doing all this at your age? You should just be having fun. And I said, Well, I still have a lot to give in this world, and I still there's still a lot to be done. Yeah. So, absolutely. yeah, definitely. You're never too old to go back to school. Well, I mean, if you enjoy it, you know, I, I'm one of those people who I don't know that I'll retire and play golf. And if people do, that's totally awesome. But I, I like working on projects. You know, I like doing right. stuff. But anyway, so Laura, enough about me. Tell us, where are you originally from? I grew up, I was born and raised in the southeastern Detroit area. Um, Southeastern Michigan, Detroit, Michigan. Yeah. And then um, took off and went to Michigan State and got my nursing degree. And then from there, that's when I joined the military. Okay. I was going to ask, how does it work in the Navy? Do you, can some people go in and then go to nursing school while they're in the Navy? And then can some just show up with their nursing degree and just Mm -hmm. become an officer? How does it work? Um, actually, for they can do a bunch of different things. Um, my path took me on, um, I was accepted into the nursing candidate program. So I was getting some stipend while I was going to the nursing school. They actually were paying for part of my nursing school at that time. Um, oh, okay. And then you owed them years back. Like, kind of like ROTC-ish? Kind of, yep. Okay. yep. We just called it nursing candidate program. It may be called something different now, but back in, back in my day. <laughs> was called a nursing candidate program. So got to do that. And then from there, you figure out where you're going to go in the Navy. Okay. So how did you, did you know you always wanted to be a nurse? How did you even come to want to be a nurse? Uh, well, you know, that's kind of nostalgic in a way. Um, and it's kind of cliche, I guess. Back when I was six years old, I wanted to be a nurse. I knew I wanted to help people when I was six years old. Aww. I also had an influence too, because my aunt was a nurse in the Navy and okay. I watched her. And then my great aunt was an army nurse. And in fact, I text my nurse, my aunt just before this interview um, and to ask about my great aunt and we found a picture of her. Oh and God. so she was, she was um, an army nurse, Lieutenant. And it was just neat to see a picture of her like in uniform over in, uh, she's over in the far, far East during the war, World War II. World War II. I was going to ask which war was it? 
Yeah, I think it was, yeah, World War II. So, so there's some lineage in there. And plus we have other military people all over throughout our family. So, yeah, my dad was a Navy corpsman yep. in Vietnam. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So he served with a Marine unit, which that's how I came to be in the Marines. And I mm-hmm. was not interested in nursing at first. That happened later, you know, in life. And I went back and got a second degree. But um, anyway, so, okay. So you sign up for this program. Uh, what is it? You said nurse candidate Okay. Program. Yeah. Nurse candidate program. You get your BSN at Michigan State and then you owe them time. So when you go into right. the Navy, uh, did you, do you get a choice at where you start nursing or just here you go? No, actually you do not. Okay. <laughs> you, um, you know, just to kind of step back for a second, when I was in nursing school, I wanted to be a cardiac nurse, you know, or, or travel like a, um, you know, transplant nurse or something, something to do with cardiology. And I did not like maternal child. That was probably, even though I graduated with honors, that was the worst of my grades, which I mean, they were still good grades, but um, then I joined the military, showed up at Portsmouth and there was two captains that wanted me. One was in oncology and the other one was in labor and delivery. And I went, okay, I have no idea where I'm going. And labor and delivery picked me and I went and it was um, amazing. I had two fantastic leaders. My director of nursing and my um, division officer were phenomenal. So they really made a big, big impact on my life. Um, Leadership, being a good person, being a hard worker, being a good Navy nurse corps officer. So, um, and the the hook, line, and sinker is, I think it was around six weeks. I don't even think I even started an IV yet. And one of the residents said, put some gloves on. So I put, I put on non-sterile gloves. And then she's like, no, 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 put some sterile gloves on. You're delivering this baby. Ah. I went, no, I'm not. And she's like, yes, you are. <laughs> and so she was a lieutenant. So I kind of took that as an order and I went, yes, ma'am. And that, you know, the baby delivered and I caught it in my hands and I was like, this is it. This is where I belong. Hook, line and sinker. Wow. So, At first you had no interest. Nope. Nope. Isn't it amazing? You never know what you can get into. That's why I tell people volunteer, get out there, experience, because you never know what you're going to fall, fall madly in love with or be passionate about. That's what we talk a lot about on this podcast is, you know, people, whatever area you start in, it doesn't matter. Typically, you will be, you'll be like, I wonder what else is out there in nursing. And you're like, well, how can I get involved? Well, you have to ask questions. You have to not be afraid. You have to try things. You have to, you know, you just can't be afraid to ask questions and try new things because there's all sorts of things out there. So did you stay in mother baby? How long were you in the Navy? For 12 plus years. 12 plus years. Okay. Were you mother baby the whole time or did you move about? For the most part, yes, because it was they were always it was always looking for labor and delivery nurses. Okay. So I started off at a high risk hospital, okay. and got a ton of experience with the, the nurses that I worked with and the physicians. There was a residency program there. Um, it was just probably it was probably like my best tour. It was yeah. so impactful. The people were so great there. Um, like I said, leadership, the nurses I work with, the residents I work with, they taught me so much. And then that's when I went overseas, and there was a a, a need for a labor and delivery nurse overseas in Italy. So I went to Sicily, which was great because I, that was kind of where my family originated from was Southern Italy. So oh, kind of need to be able to go there. Yeah, now, so. I'm, in the intro, I said that you're a certified midwife. Did you do that while you were in the Navy or was that after? 
Correct. Yeah. So yeah. I was in for about seven years and wanted to do just a little bit more than, than labor and delivery nursing. So I applied for duty under instruction where you go to school full time and they pay your salary. Wow. So you go to full. So, so I was one of the selected. I think there was like six of us selected for that time, six or eight of us. Um, and so I went to was accepted into Georgetown University and wow. obtained my certified nurse midwifery degree from there. Masters of science is what it was. But we, you know, emphasis is in midwifery. So Laura, I went my, I have a second degree. That's where my nursing degree is from. It's from Georgetown. Is it? Oh my gosh. But okay. So you did your midwifery, I guess it is a master's program, but it's not a nurse practitioner. It's just a certificate. Is that right? Well, it's at Georgetown. They were, they were giving masters of science where typically in other colleges, they'll give, they'll give a master's of science in nursing, but the way Georgetown did it was masters of science. And then you finish the program, then you stand for your boards. So then I had to, that's how I got my certification. It was like a four hour exam kind of thing. Oh, wow. And then you went back to the Navy because you're still in the Navy. They're just paying. Exactly. Yep. Wow. Yep. Yep. Went down to, to Pensacola, Florida. When the hospital was still a hospital, it's a clinic now. Okay. Yeah. So it was a midwife, midwife there oh, and worked with some great people. Really wonderful people. Very, very, um, they were just very sweet and helpful and supportive. So, yeah. yeah. So when you're a nurse, are all of your patients either Navy people or their families? Right. So, yeah. So we're going to take care of the active duty or their, okay. their family members, their dependents. Okay. And yeah. so did you start your DNP when you were still in the Navy or you waited until after? No. You- okay. Waited until I got out, raised my kids. Yeah. <laughs> they kept me busy and we moved a lot with my husband's career and his deployment. So definitely wanted to focus on kids for a little bit. Yeah. And then now they're, you know, they're in a good spot. And it was 2020 that I started my DMP. So why not start during a pandemic? What else is there to do? We're all sitting at home. <laughs> so I thought that was a good time. <laughs> We're not going anywhere anyway. <laughs> right. Right. So sitting home, looking at the screen anyway. So let's go back to school. So back in, so I started in about August of 2020. Yeah. Okay. And then you finished December of last year. December of yeah. last year. Yeah. So this is okay. So mm-hmm. you finished in December of 2022 and now it's starting. When did you start this psychiatric mental health program in program? That was summer of last year. So of 22. So I did two semesters of having two degrees at the same time. So I was getting nurse practitioner degree at the same time of getting my doctorate for two semesters. So you were busy. Yeah. Very. <laughs> Yeah. Four hours of sleep average a day. Yeah, I think it took off like five years of my life, but it's okay because it definitely, I would have, would have never changed it. So. Well, and we were talking a little bit before we started that you really have this passion for perinatal mental health. And is that kind of a way to combine sort of your midwifery and your love of psychiatric mental health nursing? Yep, that's exactly right. Um I think, you know, personal experience with my first son, I had a traumatic childbirth and that was, I was actually stationed over on an island. They had to ship me back to the United States. Mm. Um, And so with that birth and then watching what the moms were going through and what I was seeing and the mom is having a hard time postpartum, um, there was not a whole lot being emphasized on like PTSD 
yeah. from traumatic childbirth, even though there's a lot of literature on it. So there's not well known, even as when I was a provider, I didn't even think of that because I didn't even know about it. You always, you always hear about postpartum depression. Right. Is the mainstay. Wow. Um, so kind of later on, I just thought I was up here in Michigan and I volunteer for Postpartum Support International as a local coordinator for nor- the Northern Michigan and Upper Peninsula. And so that's moms calling, wanting help. So I get mm-hmm. phone calls of moms being hysteric, crying, sad, whatever feelings they're having, and they need resources. Um, with that cohort of people, and then once PSI found out I was doing my doctorate on PTSD, they did not have a coordinator for PTSD. So they made me their coordinator for the United States. So I get phone calls from moms all over the United States that have had a traumatic childbirth and are looking for help. And the underlying theme listening to all of them is that they're, they're having a hard time finding providers that understand what they went through. Mm. Really hard time finding, you know, medical providers or even therapists that understood what perinatal mental health was Yeah, with everything with delivery and the hormones and everything. And I thought, well, what better way to help alleviate that than to become a nurse practitioner? Yeah. So to be somebody up here in Northern Michigan, to be able to help women and their families, um, women birthing persons and their families with their mental health. So, so that's kind of what kind of pushed me into that direction of nurse practitioner yeah, mental health nurse practitioner, because I can do something. And, and from that, that just kind of evolved. I called up a local social worker here. She's on the PSI website, called her up and said, Hey, listen, you and I both love our perinatal mental health. Do you want to start a support group? And so we did. So we've started a support group up here and um, it's, it's very new. We only had one meeting, so it's still in its infantile state. So yeah. So it's just, women need that. They need to be heard. They need to be seen. They need yeah. to be able to tell their story. They need to know that they're okay and that they're not alone. There's so I, much stigma to that. So. Yeah. Well, do the ops, so do the OBs not hear that? Do they not listen? Oh, do they, they do. Okay. Oh yeah. I mean, they do. They do. There's, I mean, definitely not going to say that they don't know. Um, you know, they, they do focus on women's mental health for sure. Yeah. I just think there's just not enough providers that mm-hmm. can sit down and do the mental health work that are, that are, have their certificate, you know, a psychiatrist or psychiatric nurse practitioner or a therapist that specializes in perinatal mental health. Um, there's not as much, I mean, even mental health in general, they're having a hard time keeping people in and maintaining people. Awesome. So obstetricians do, are doing that stuff. But a lot of times they're like, what, what's the next step I take? What's the next medication can I give? You know, there's not anybody, you know, to be able to help with that. I wonder because a lot of times you don't realize it until you're in that sort of specialty. So I do, I'm a nurse case manager for workers comp. And so Mm -hmm. say you have a, a new spinal cord injury patient who they were at work, they fell and now they're paraplegic, quadriplegic, whatever. Well, the neurosurgeon, of course they care. They operate on the spine somewhere, but other beyond that, they're not going to see them through their next journey. That's going right. to be a different provider. And it's called a physical medicine and rehabilitation physician. Um, but those right. are difficult to find. And so I'm wondering if it's kind of like that, where you have the OB, they do the delivery. Of course they care about 
you know, Absolutely. the mother or the baby. Absolutely. Not that long-term care, you know, right. for mental health. I don't know that they even have the capacity to do it. They don't. I mean, they, they see these, they see the patients postpartum, um, their postpartum visits. The people that actually see more of the mom is the pediatricians. Because mm-hmm. if you think of all the, the appointments that the newborn and, and the infant need to have, they're actually seeing them more. So we need to have a little bit more focus on the pediatricians and helping them out. Um, yeah, a lot of people, you know, I just gave a presentation at, uh, at a conference and I asked a bunch of mental health people, how many of you heard of perineal mood and anxiety disorders? And not a whole lot of hands went up, Yeah, which was shocking. And it's not, it's just the awareness. It's just awareness. We need to keep, you know, hammering away and telling people this is what's going on. These women that are coming in at 40 with anxiety that may have eight and nine-year-old kids, that could have stemmed back from a traumatic childbirth. Mm. We don't know, you know, so let's start looking back and seeing what's happening. And um, PTSD in pregnancy, a lot of people equate that to military, your first responders, people with ACEs, adverse childhood experiences. Um, They really don't think of a pregnant person. Right. Or a postpartum mom with that. Right. You know, and prior trauma can, can come out in pregnancy, can come out in delivery. And that can leave them with PTSD symptomatology, you know, postpartum. Yeah. So. Well, that makes sense because, I mean, even women who maybe they don't have previous, you know, trauma or mental difficulties. I mean, the uh, hormones alone will, you know, the, the up and down will you know, right. make you feel out of sorts. And then, you know, you hear all the time that, you, oh, you have to wait for your hormones to level out and that sort of thing. Well, if they, they're now in disarray and you have this previous trauma on top of right. it, it's like a recipe for disaster. Right. Right. And a lot of moms are getting, um, they're being screened for depression because that's the big, that's the big push. We hear a lot about that, but we have this group of moms, you know, it depends what study you read, 3% to 9% um, and high risk populations up to 15 to 27% of moms have yeah. PTSD, oh, wow. have DSM-5 diagnostic criteria for PTSD. And they're not being treated for that because they're not being screened for that. They're being screened for um, anxiety disorders and depression. Wow. So there just needs to be a little bit more light shine on the, the PTSD section because there's different treatment modalities. Now, no depression and PTSD are, are co- comorbid. They do kind of hang out together. Wow. So does anxiety. They kind of, you know, play together in the same part of the brain. Um, but we're not looking at PTSD signs and symptoms and looking at these moms who just may feel a little bit different, a little bit off. Yeah. But they're not depressed per se. Right. So, so we were talking a little bit about this before we started because you are a certified midwife you have your dnp and now you're working on this um the second np basically in psychiatric mental health how are you wanting to sort of marry all of that together i think all that goes together well because i can pull back from my midwifery experiences understanding the process of pregnancy growing the baby and the process of delivering that baby and the process of um, having to take care of that baby postpartum and the trials and tribulations that these mothers and that go through this, um, you know, I can pull all of that understanding. And then, um, the doctor gives me the ability, gave me the tools, I should say, the tools and the skills to kind of look a little deeper yeah, and to be able to pull out the evidence base. Um, and then this nurse practitioner degree gives me the ability to help treat these women. 
Right. So with medication, with therapy, that kind of thing. So I think all that went together, goes together quite well. Um, it was interesting because this one lady I was talking to, she kind of stopped and she said, that's really interesting that you went into psychiatric mental health. You're doing perinatal. And I said, why? And she's like, well, as a midwife, you're with women in their most vulnerable time. Mm-hmm. And in a mental health, you're with your women in the most vulnerable time. Yeah. And that's the shift. And I didn't really look at it that way. And I said, you know, you're right. You're right. And so I just want to be there for those women um, to, to, you know, to help them get through. It's hard being a mom. It's not easy. Yeah. <laughs> you don't get sleep and your life is, is not yours for a while. And, um, but it's a beautiful time. And all those things kind of, kind of collide together, I guess you could say, come together yeah. very beautifully, intertwine very well. Well, and we were talking about before we started about possibly opening a perinatal mental health clinic, right? I would love to. That would be a dream. So yeah. um, I'm pretty, pretty hard headed sometimes. So I already, I already have it visioned that it's going to happen. So I just got to find somebody to go. I will do it with you. Why? <laughs> right, because we were talking about in Michigan, you right. have to have that state requires you to have a physician or something. Yeah. So, so just to have that and um, to kind of, kind of get this going, there are people up here that we have a great, there's um, a great group in Traverse city that has, that does perinatal mental health oh. it's called Pine, Pine rest, which is wonderful, Yeah. but there's not a whole lot. I know of another physician in the UP that likes to do perinatal mental health, but not forthright where there's like the, Hey, this is a group that just focuses on perinatal mental health kind of thing. So where we do, you know, psychopharmacology and psychotherapy. So kind of the big thing. It would be amazing to have this perinatal mental health clinic where, you know, OBs and or um, the pediatricians who have these moms that come to them and they don't really know what to do with them. They can send them to this clinic and then you see them, you know, through the whole process. Well, it's good collaborative care. I think, you know, having that, um, you know, the knowledge of the obstetricians and the pediatricians right. and then the knowledge of, of the other end with the psychotropic medications and therapies and what we can do for them. And we are, we're all working together to make this a, a you know positive outcome right. um, because it's not just the moms that we're taking care of when we take care of the mom. It's also a significant other. It's the children that live in the house with that mom. There is there's a lot of research that are showing moms that are suffering with, you know, psychiatric disorders postpartum it does affect the kids. Yeah. You know, and it affects families and it affects even the communities. Yeah. So, um, I think the most profound, and I do want to say this, the most profound thing that just came out, um, the maternal mortality review committee came out with a report in December, I'm sorry, in in, uh, September of 2022. Now these are the people kind of tell you what's the number one cause of death in pregnant women. And they kind of tell you the comorbidities and their mortalities, morbidities. Um, so they did their study and they came out, it was like 36 different states. And there's six top things that, you know, factors that cause over 75% of pregnancy deaths, pregnancy related deaths. Okay. The top one is not postpartum hemorrhage that we always hear. And as of recently, it was cardiovascular. The top one cause, the number one cause is maternal mental health. Really? So the compass has turned, the, the direction has turned. Yeah. And to me, that sound to me, that's sounding the alarm. Yeah. You know, and I think we all can, you know, recently there was a lady that had postpartum psychosis that killed her children. Remember, I don't know if you remember hearing that story out, I think it was out East, killed her children 
and she tried to kill herself. There's a lot of women out there that are hurting that need the help that they need to have and they need a place to go. So um, that support group we started is just a, it's just one drop in the bucket of how to help these people, but they have a place to go to talk that know that they're not alone with these feelings. Yeah. And then knowing where they can go get help. Yeah. You know, talk to your obstetrician, talk to your primary care provider, talk to your pediatrician about it, have an open, have an open dialogue, open conversation about this and nothing to be ashamed about because hormones change us postpartum. And we don't, we don't ask for, we don't ask for depression. We don't ask for anxiety. We don't ask for psychosis. We don't ask for PTSD. It's just something that happens. But the, the great thing is, is that there's people out there that can help. Yeah. You know, and there's so many good resources to help so that you don't have to be alone and feel like you're all alone and you're the only person experiencing these feelings and, and these things. You're not alone. Yeah. There's a lot of, but I've been moms out there that are feeling just like you. And it's such a relief to know that. Yeah. Well, I so. have a few friends who, you know, I, I don't think it was severe, but they were having these thoughts, you know, of depression and that sort of thing, but they didn't tell anyone. They yeah. didn't tell anyone. Because until after they felt better, but you, right. but I remember thinking, you know, I, I wish you would have told me because what they were able, you know, to recover from it, but what if you weren't and no one knew and you didn't say right. anything. And I think a lot of moms feel bad for saying anything. It's like you said, they don't want to say anything, but if they had a safe place to go where, you know, no, tell us. <laughs> right. Um, well, there's such a high stigma um, with society. Yeah. We think that giving birth is this magical, beautiful moment, and it is. It is. Majority of moms do great. Majority of moms don't have depression. You know, like I said, PTSD is three to nine percent. Yeah. Okay. Um, one in five moms, though, or one in seven, depends on the research, um, have postpartum depression. And a little plug: dads, one in ten. Hmm. One in ten have postpartum depression. Wow. And their depression is different. It doesn't come with, you know, it comes with irritability and anxiety and anger. There's, they, wow. they exhibit it a little differently. Um, but, you know, it's, it's interesting because like depression or childbirth related PTSD arguably is the um, only like psychiatric disorder that comes from a beautiful society that sees something that's socially viewed as a positive event. Right. Because we get, tra- we get trauma from a car accident. That's a bad thing. Yeah. But getting trauma, getting, get, having a traumatic childbirth, really, uh, you know, some people go, are you sure? It's, it's, right. it's supposed to be a beautiful time. Yeah. And what they're not catching is that, no, it can be traumatic for moms. It's a subjective viewpoint. Um, it could also stir up trauma from before. Yeah. You know, if they were sexually assaulted or physically abused, that can come out during pregnancy and, and delivery. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, what would you tell nurses who are like, you know what, I'm passionate about, you know, these patients as well, you know, and helping moms, how would you, what advice would you give to them? Um, depends on where they're at in their nursing career. But, you know, if they're, if they're Heather BSN, go get your master's, you have your master's, go get your doctorate if you can. Um, but truthfully, just go for it. Yeah. There's nothing stopping you. Nothing stopping you at all. Yeah. Any of the people that are telling you that you can't do it are the ones that don't need to be in your path. <laughs> they need to step aside. Yeah. <laughs> so any of them can go do, I mean, you definitely can go do it. Look up a good program that's near you. There's a lot of programs that are online um, and, uh, and go for it. We definitely need psychiatric mental health 
nurse practitioners and care caretakers for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, mental health is unfortunately on the rise. So just find your passion. So if your passion is perinatal mental health, just go for it. Yeah. You know, so yeah. there's a lot of um, support groups out there. You can, or groups that you can join so you can talk to people or listen to people talk. Yeah. That's the thing I like about Facebook. I know people, some people don't like Facebook, but I like it because I've joined different groups and so I'm in different kinds of perinatal mental health groups. And it's so neat to be in there because I'm listening to, and the resources they're giving and their stories they're telling. And it's really good to hear that. Yeah. So an L and D nurse, they wouldn't necessarily need to become a midwife. They could just go straight to uh, mm-hmm. masters in psychiatric nursing. Absolutely. Yeah. Those are just different tracks. Yeah. That you can go into. I mean, there's, if you want to become a midwife, that's a track. If you want to go into, you know, psychiatric mental health, then that's a different track. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Whatever they feel like it's passionate for them. Oh, well, I know it's your passion. That's why I love to have mm-hmm. people on to come on and talk about what they're passionate about because that mm-hmm. gets people interested. Yeah. No, it's, 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 um, you just, yeah, you just got to figure out what is, what's going to be good for you. Cause you're going to be doing that job <laughs> for a while. <laughs> but if you are passionate about something, it's not really work. You know, yeah. it's hard. Trust me. School is hard. <laughs> yeah. It was a lot of long nights and I have to remind myself that I went through those long nights to know that where I've gotten today and to keep fighting to help these moms out. Right. So, yeah. So we just have to stop that stigma. Yeah. And help these moms. They get, they get the help that they need and they can carry on with their lives and, and have a good, healthy, healthy life. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, Laura, thank you so much for coming on and talking yeah. about the specialty. I had not heard about perinatal mental health. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you hear about it sort of, you know, depression, postpartum, but in terms of being an option for nurses and, you know, a little specialty that they can get involved in, I had not heard that. So absolutely. I really appreciate you coming on yeah. and talking about it. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Great. It's really great to meet you. You too. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Black Sheep Nurse Podcast. If you want more, head on over to blacksheepnurse.com for show notes and resources from today's episode. You can also join our email list and the website and have the link to weekly notes delivered directly to your inbox. And if you're looking for more everyday fun and community, join us on Instagram at Black Sheep.